0: Amen. Could we just say that it's good to be here today? Isn't it good to be able to look around the room this morning and see so many other folks in their place? I want you to know it encourages my heart to look out from here and look up in the balcony and look all around the room this morning and see so many of our people in their place and I want you to know just by being here you're an encouragement to me today for the Nate leaned over he says man we were packed today I said yeah isn't it good to see so many of our people in the midst of all that's going on and you just encourage my heart just by being here and if you'll smile it'll make it a double bonus all right it is good to see you here today and glad to have so many of our people good to have some of our folks visiting today if you are visiting with us be sure to fill out a connection card so we'll know who you were and where you're from and uh, let you know how much we appreciate you coming today and just looking forward to what God wants to do in our service and encourage our hearts and I pray that uh, you'll open your heart to allow him to do what he would desire to do today. Daniel chapter 3 is where we're going to be at this morning. Daniel chapter 3 and I was thinking a moment ago about old Nehemiah how when Nehemiah was working up on his wall and how opposition would come and difficulty would come and Uh, They made it tough on him. They were ridiculing him and persecuting him. And I know that must have weighed heavy on his heart. Uh, And yet you look in Nehemiah chapter number 3, how often he mentioned the names of the people that were serving on the wall with him. And I believe the reason he mentioned all of those names, obviously the Holy Spirit of God led him to do that. But I believe the reason he mentioned all of those names is because as he was up on that wall, difficulty would come and persecution would come. You look around and see all of those people that were in their place on the wall with him And I just believe they encouraged his heart while he was up there working And I want you to know as we work up here on the wall at Central Baptist Church Each time we see you in your place, whether right now you're in your place physically Or even the folks that are in their place watching on live stream It encourages our hearts to be about the will of God and the work of God And I'm excited about the opportunity that God's given us to come back to his house today And get something from his word that obviously I believe we're going to need Daniel chapter 3, we're going to jump right into the middle of the story uh, that we've heard since we were in Sunday school of, as kids of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how they are exiled in Babylon in a very corrupt and inhospitable society for people who believe what they believe. And we're going to pick up, if we could, in verse number three of chapter three, where Nebuchadnezzar has built this image and commanded everyone to fall down and worship it. The Bible says in verse 3 Then the princes, the governors, and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province, provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the, the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now watch verse number 4. The Bible says Then an herald cried aloud To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and language. That at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. If we know the story, they played the music. Most folks fell down to worship, but there were some. Who resisted? Verse number 8, the Bible says, "...wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth that, he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Let's pray together, and we're going to jump into this. Father, thank you again for the privilege of being here today. Uh, Lord, I'm so thankful that you've given us something to preach. and What a blessing it is to know that, Lord, you'd have us to speak on this message today. I pray that you'd help us to say what you'd have us to say in the way that you'd have us to say it. Lord, help us, Lord, to preach and to teach the truth, but Lord, help us to do it in love, Lord, as you command us. And I pray today that each and every heart that's here would be open and ready to receive whatever it is that, Lord, you would have them to have and leave here with today. Help the lost to be saved, the saved to be challenged, for us in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking last night about how I'm excited in my heart as I look forward to our theme this year. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity and the privilege that God's going to give us to seek renewal in our church after a very difficult season that we went through, not just last year, but even in the first five, six weeks of this year, they've been very difficult for our church. And I believe if there's anything that we need right now, it's definitely that we need renewal, and I'm looking forward to that, and I'm excited about that. But I know as something as great as renewal is And as valuable as it will be, not only to our church and our families, but to the people that God's called us to reach here in Hattiesburg, as valuable as it is, we can't help but believe this morning that the devil's not going to allow it to come easy. Something that's going to accomplish so much what I believe for the glory of God, not only in our lives, but in our community, in our church, it's something that God's going to use for his glory. We can't expect for the devil to allow that to come easily and to allow us to get away with it. I mentioned a moment ago, Nehemiah, he goes back to build the wall and rebuild the wall at Jerusalem. He goes back to get about this great work of what God's called him to do, and not long before he gets about the work of revival and rebuilding those walls, here comes Sanballat and Geshem and Tobiah, and they come along and they ridicule him and persecute him for what he's trying to do because they did not desire for him to accomplish the will of God in bringing revival to Jerusalem. I think about Ezra rebuilding the temple. The Bible says that the king sent those to frustrate his purpose. As we get about our purpose to renew our calling and character and commitment in the new year, we must expect that the devil's not going to allow us to get away with it, and he's going to make it difficult. But I assure you, as what we have set out to do in this new year, to be renewed both individually and then collectively as a church, it's worth it if we're willing to pay the price of what it's going to cost to get it. I think about the dear lady in the the Word of God who had that issue of blood for 12 years. The Bible says that she had spent all and she was nothing better. She had sought solution after solution after solution and nothing seemed to work. And then she heard that Jesus was coming to town. And the Bible says that she fought her way through the crowd. I always picture this little lady uh, lowering her shoulder like a linebacker, plowing through the crowd so that she could get to Christ and get what she needed and the Bible says she had to fight through the press to get that renewal that she needed. But she got through the crowd and she got the renewal. And I guarantee you, she'd tell you this morning that it was worth it. But we're going to have to be willing to pay the price. We're going to have to be willing to pay the cost of what it's going to take to be renewed. Rudyard Kipling, the author of The Jungle Book, said this, If you don't get what you want, it's a sign either that you did not seriously want it or that you tried to bargain over the price. If you don't get what you want, it's either a sign, number one, that you didn't really want it, you just thought you wanted it. I've talked to a lot of teenagers in my years as a youth pastor and even as a pastor and had teenagers come to the office and they tell me that they're in love. And I said, well, wonderful. Love's a great thing. God invented it. God is love. Love's great. And we start talking about love and their romantic ideas of marriage. You know, they're 15 years old, but they've got it all ready. And uh, they're going to say, I do, before too terribly long. And after a while, we sit down and we start talking about marriage. Are you prepared for this? You know, you've got to pay for that health insurance and life insurance and groceries and trips to the mall and Christmas presents and all of these things. And after a while, they realize, you know what? They were in love with the idea of getting married, but I don't know that they were in love. There's a big difference in being in love with the idea uh, and being in love. Now, folks, I want you to know, being in love with the idea of being renewed is great, but being in love with the idea alone is not going to cut it for us. There's no way we're going to accomplish what God's calling us to accomplish and become who God's calling us to become. Just being in love with the idea of being renewed, it's going to have to be something real that we're willing to pay the price for. I read a story about a shoplifter, and the shoplifter wrote a note to a department store that said this, I've just become a Christian, and I feel guilty for the things that I have stolen. Here's $100 towards what I stole. He says, I can't sleep at night, I don't have any peace, and it's because I feel guilty of all the things that I stole, so here's $100 to help me get some peace. At the bottom of the letter, he put, P.S., if that doesn't work, I'll send you the rest. Now, I want you to think about that this morning. He wanted some peace, but he wanted $100 worth of peace. He thought, you know what, I'll just do a little bit, I'll give up a little bit, and maybe that'll get the peace that I need to go to sleep. And P.S., if I don't get any peace through that, I'll mail you the rest. I'm going to tell you something this morning. If we want full renewal, we're going to have to be fully surrendered to the will of God. Uh, We can't just be satisfied or settle for $100 of renewal. We have to be willing to pay the price this morning of whatever's required by God in order for us to have that renewal. And I fear this morning the reason we don't have it is not because we can't. The reason we don't have it this morning, we don't already have it in our lives, in our homes, in our hearts. It's simply because we're not willing to pay the price. I think this morning the reason so many of our efforts fail in the church and our efforts fail as Christians is so often we're not willing to pay the price for what it's going to cost to accomplish the will of God in our lives. I know a lot of marriages this morning that are failing. Do you know why? It's not because they have to fail. It's because moms and dads, husbands and wives, we're not willing to pay the price for what it's going to cost to hold it together. And sometimes you got to work at it, don't you? There's a price to be paid. Renewal is something wonderful. Having our hearts renewed Our homes renewed, renewing our calling, our character, and our commitment. Oh, that's going to be worth it, and it's going to be great. But great things come at great prices, don't they? You don't get something great for free unless it's salvation. And yet even in that, there was a great price paid by Christ on the cross. And so this morning, what I want to help you do is boil it down a little bit. This morning, we're going to begin preaching about renewing our calling as we look toward this new year of what God desires to do in our church and what God desires to do in our lives. But we're going to boil it down simply to one of two things. You've got to be willing to decide this morning whether or not you're going to pay the cost and pay the price of what it's going to take to be renewed. It's going to come down to one of these two things, whether you're willing to pay the price of your calling or the price of your convenience, and that's what we're going to preach on today. Calling or convenience. Sooner or later, as God desires to work in your heart and your life, and to renew you, and to renew your calling of the will of God, and to you renew your character to be more like Christ, and renew your commitment to the work of God, sooner or later, you're going to have to decide whether or not it's going to cost you your calling or your convenience. You got, you're not going to be able to keep both. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego show us this morning on how this decision is going to come about. Now, look down, if you will, to verse verse number 11. The Bible says, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. The Bible says they serve not thy gods. Now, they know what the decree has been passed. They know what they're called to do. They knew who they're called to be. They know what the Bible says in Exodus, that they should worship and serve God and God alone. They should make no graven images. They know those things, and they know who God's called them to be. But watch this. As they seek to live out who God's called them to be, suddenly there becomes a new calling upon their life. They're being called away from who they know they're supposed to be and what they know they're supposed to do. Now, folks, we should take notice of this today. Why? Because this is happening right before our eyes in our culture. For a long time in the United States of America, it was very easy to be a Christian. It was very easy to live out our faith. We had very little persecution, but just looking over the horizon, it appears before too terribly long, we're going to have to decide how serious we are about living out our calling. Why? Because the culture is going to call in a different direction. We read in Daniel chapter 3 both the king and the culture are calling them to go in a different direction And they have to decide what they're going to do now folks hear me out today You're not going to be able to sit on the fence forever I was talking to somebody this week I can't remember who it was because I just talk a lot And I talk to a lot of people And someone said the very same thing to me this week You're about to find out who's real and who's not Why? Because you're not going to be able to straddle the fence forever and you're going to have to decide which direction you're going to go. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shows us exactly what you're going to go through if you're going to fulfill God's calling on your life. Because watch this. You can't fulfill the calling of God and the calling of the world at the same time. You've got to pick. Now watch what happens. They're about to be thrown or they're being threatened to be thrown in the burning, fiery furnace. And this bind that they're going through in their heart is the first thing you're going to have to deal with. I want you to notice number one. Our calling is going to lead to conflict. Our calling is going to lead to conflict. These three Hebrew boys know who they're called to be. They know God has called them to worship him and him alone. They know that God has called them not to make any graven images, and now yet the culture is calling them to go in that direction, while God is calling them to go in that direction. And I don't know about you, but it's tough when you get pulled in two different directions, isn't it? I only have one child, so I don't have to worry about kids pulling me this way and kids pulling me that way. Uh, she just pulls me the only way she wants to go most of the time. That's how it works at our house. The Man, you folks have a lot of kids. They're pulling this way and pulling that way. They put you in a bind, don't they? This is how these young men were, all right? The king and the culture were pulling this way, and God was pulling this way, and they had to decide what they were going to do, and it created a conflict in their life. Can I tell you something this morning that you probably already know? Sooner or later, your Christian character is going to come in conflict with a pagan culture. Sooner or later, who you're called to be and who I'm called to be is going to come in a conflict, a parting of ways, a crossroads with the culture that we're living in. And you're going to have to decide this morning whether or not you want renewal bad enough to answer the call of God and deny the call of the world. I want to tell you something, it's going to put you in a bind. I am a a people pleaser by nature, believe it or not. Some of you may not believe that, but I am. Just ask my wife. I I enjoy pleasing my wife when I can. She wanted ice cream the other night. I was already in my pajamas, and I said, you know what? I'm going to get her some ice cream. No, I didn't go in my pajamas, all right? I try to be a respectable pastor, so I didn't go to the store in pajamas. Man, I went and got her some ice cream. Why? I'm a people pleaser. I, I like helping people out, giving them what they want as long as I can. But you can't please all the people all the time. And sooner or later, you're going to have to decide who you're going to please. And it's going to create a conflict in your life. And by the way, listen, if living out your Christian character and your Christian calling doesn't ever conflict with the world we're living in, you're not doing a very good job living it in the first place. Folks, that was an easy one. You missed an easy opportunity for an amen. Sooner or later, as you seek to live out your calling, your character, and your commitment, it's going to create a conflict between you and the world, and you've got to decide what you're going to do. And if you're never in conflict over those three things this morning, then you're not living a very productive Christian life. What did Jesus say? He says in John 15, 19, if you're of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Some of us got to go ahead and decide this morning, the world's never going to love us. And some of us need to break up with the world this morning. I really do. You know, last night I sat down and I was thinking about that thought of breaking up. You know, some of us are having a love affair with the world and we're holding on to the world and want to hold on to God, but you're getting stretched pretty thin and you're about to get stretched a whole lot thinner because of the culture we're living in and you're going to have to make a decision. And I looked up last night, I wanted to help you today, I really do. I wanted to help you break up with the world if possible. And so I looked up the top five phrases that you use to break up with people. All right? I'm going to give them to you this morning. Some of you people need to write these down because you're trying to figure out how to get out of that bad relationship you're in. All right? So I'm fixing to give them to you. The first one is, it's not you, it's me. That's number one. Now, I wonder how that, why that works so well. Because here's how that works. They, Look, it's not you, it's me. Well, of course, you know. It's not you that wants to break up. It's me that wants to break up. It's not you that doesn't like you. It's me that doesn't like you. So that's number one, all right? That's what that means, okay? Some of you have never realized that. That's what that means. The second one is we need some time apart. All right, y'all writing these down? All right, some of you teenage girls in here, you're so thankful you came to church today. I'm helping you break up with that scug you've been going out with, all right? You need some time apart. But here's number three. Here's number three. We're going in different directions. We're just going in different directions. I'm going on with my life and you're not. <laughs> you know That's what that means. We're just going in different directions. What do you do? You break up. That's a really good reason to break up. Can I tell you that? If you're going this direction and they're going that direction, You know that's, the, that's how you ought to break up with the world this morning. You know why? Because they're going in a different direction that you're going in and that direction's causing a conflict in your life. So many of God's people are miserable this morning. Why? Because they're trying to do both. Galatians 5, the Bible says, you walk in the spirit or the flesh, and it says you can't do both at the same time. You've got to decide. Sooner or later, there's going to be a conflict in your walk with God when the world's calling you this way, and God's calling you this way, and it creates a conflict. Now, folks, look, if that conflict is not present in your life, you haven't done really much to bother the devil at all. Living a Christian life and living out your calling, your character, and your commitment should sooner or later create a conflict in your life. But so often, here's what we do, we give in to the conflict and we forfeit our calling. We know who God's called us to be. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that Exodus chapter 20 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, the Bible says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, the Bible says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. That's who God called them to be. By the way, you want to know who God's called you to be? Go to his word. All right? Don't listen to wives' tales and the opinions of people on television. Go to God's word, and you'll find out exactly who God's calling you to be. So they knew who God called them to be, and yet now the king and the culture are calling them to something that's contrary to what they know, and now they're in a conflict. Sadly, here's the truth. Sadly, most Christians die right here, spiritually. They can't stand the conflict i told you before, I don't like conflict. I am not a confrontational person. I mean, you step on my foot, I'm not going to say anything. Most likely, as long as it's a good day, I'm probably not. You know, you run into my car. I had a guy run into my car at McDonald's. You know, no big deal. It's all right. It's fine. Look, no problem. I'm not going to sue you. I'm not a confrontational person. I don't like conflict. And I think most of us, there's a few of you here, I just think you like to scrap. But most of us, we don't like conflict, do we? And as soon as the conflict comes, what do we do? We abandon our calling. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are showing us that if you're going to fulfill your calling, you're going to have to endure some conflict. You're going to have to endure a little bit of threatening from the world. You're going to have to endure the furnace and that fire, that persecution that comes our way when we're seeking to fulfill our calling. You're going to have to endure that just a little bit, or else you're not going to fulfill your calling. I want you to think about Peter this morning. Peter is in the boat watching Christ walk on the water and Peter says hey, I think I'd like to do that Bid me come unto thee in the water. What did Jesus say one word? He says come You know what Jesus is doing? He's calling Peter Peter wants you come out on the water Peter gets out of the boat and He's walking on the water to go to Jesus, but all of a sudden there's conflict as He answers the call of Christ to walk on the water to defy the elements aren't you glad the power of God, we can defy the elements. All of a sudden he looks around and sees the wind and the waves. He's in conflict. You know what he did? Rather than just keep fulfilling what God called him to do, what Christ called him to do, he gave into the conflict and he began to sink. Just a little while later, Peter would do the same thing when Jesus told him Satan hath desire to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Oh, Peter bows up. Oh no. I'm going to endure the conflict, and here comes these folks. Weren't you one of his? Weren't you with him? Weren't you with Christ? And all of a sudden, Peter gets so indignant, he cusses at the woman. What happened? He forfeited his calling in the midst of his conflict. And if you're not careful this morning, you'll bow down to conflict and abandon your calling and never fulfill what God has left us here to do. Folks, I'm thankful this morning, number one, to be saved. Number two, I'm thankful to have a calling of God on my life, and you should be too. And God has left us here to fulfill the calling. But one of the greatest enemies of the calling of God in our life is conflict. We don't like it. I don't like being told no. I don't like it when people won't take my gospel track. It hurts my feelings. I don't like it, but you know what? If a little conflict makes your spirituality wilt, when the heat of persecution and the sun arises in your life, I hate to tell you this, you're going to stand before God and not have a plug nickel to lay at the feet of Christ. Why? Because you chose conflict over calling. So notice this, what happens. The Bible says in verse 12, there are certain Jews, the Bible says they regard, they don't regard the gods that you set up. You've got to decide what you're going to regard this morning. Are you going to put more stock in the conflict or are you going to put more stock in your calling? It's not about who's doing it. It's not about how popular it is. The simple question is, is it right? I read someone that quote through that. I could not find who said this, but what a wonderful quote. It said, cowardice asks the question, is it safe? Consensus asks the question, is it popular? But conviction asks the question, is it right? Is it right? Sooner or later, you've got to decide between your convictions that God has called you to and the conflict that the world is putting you through. And sadly, most people today, they go along with what the populace says. You know what? We've accepted that now. You know, we don't, we don't answer that calling anymore. We don't live by that character anymore. We don't have that kind of church in the bad shape it's in today because we're giving in the conflict, rather our calling. The truth of the matter is this. I told my wife this yesterday. Most of us would rather live in conflict with God over worldliness to live in conflict with the world over godliness. Now let's back that up, all right? I didn't get that out of a fortune cookie either. Most of us are content with living in conflict with God. We would rather be in conflict with God about living godly or about living worldly than be in conflict with the world about living godly. We would rather fight God about doing what we know we're supposed to do than to fight the world with what they want us to do. The sad thing is we're picking to be in conflict with him rather than them. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't happy about that. Notice verse 13. The Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't like it when the world doesn't like us, do we? I don't. Uh, I don't like it when you don't like me. I don't like it when folks are mad at me. But sooner or later that's going to happen and that conflict is going to want to make you abandon your calling. But notice this. Nebuchadnezzar brings them forward, and he says this in verse 15. Let's look at verse 14. Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not you serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Watch verse 15. He's being so nice. Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sacrament, sultry, indulgement, all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. The second thing which you notice is interesting. Nebuchadnezzar brings him forward and he says look I know you're having this conflict I'm going to make it easy on you Look I'm going to give you another chance to make sure everything's all right And look all I'm going to do is play the music again You know he asked the guy hey back up the CD let's play it again give him another shot He says, I'm going to play it again and when I play it this time I want you to fall down And I want you to worship Now this is very important I want you to see what he's about to offer them He's about to offer them convenience Watch how this happens First thing that happens is our calling leads us into conflict, and we don't like conflict. We don't like it when people don't like us. We don't like it to be unpopular with the world. We don't like that. So all of a sudden, here comes the devil. You know what the devil offers us? He offers us convenience. Listen, I'm going to give you another opportunity to fit in and to be a part of the group, and that's the second thing I want you to see. When you get to this place where conflict encourages convenience, Conflict encourages convenience. You know what my wife's mad at me? You know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to give in. Because I don't like her being mad at me. Number one, she can argue with the best of them. I thought I was pretty good at arguing until I got married, and I realized I, I can go into an argument, Brother Nate. And I'm preparing before. I'm like a lawyer. I'm going to prepare before I go into it. I'm not stupid. Before I get into conflict with her, I'm going to do my homework, I'm going to have those one-liners ready to go, and I'm going to present my case, and I'm going to win. Just about every time I walk out of the living room with my tail tucked between my legs thinking, what happened? I had it all worked out. I'm fixing to tell her and show her where she's wrong and I'm right, and she just needs to apologize. And before the argument's over, I can't even remember what my name is. They go, what's going on, man? She just, she blows my mind up. The conflict, here's what it makes me want to do. It makes me want to give in and surrender. That's what the devil wants you to think. He wants to have that conflict come into your life because you're trying to fulfill your calling. Why? Because he wants to get you to do what is convenient. You see, that's the second enemy of your calling. The first is conflict. The devil's going to try to bring conflict in your life. I'll bet you we could go around the room this morning. And several of us had conflict in getting to church today, didn't we? You had a good idea. You wanted to get up, go to church. Man, you had your clothes picked out, ready to go. And all of a sudden, here comes the devil sabotaging your Sunday. He's good at that. I got to the office this morning. Brother Nate come in there. Brother Lapone comes in there. Internet's down. Ceasefire doesn't want to fix it. Nobody's able to watch it. We were going to have the live stream on Brother Lapone's cell phone hotspot this morning. We're sitting back there, and I'm thinking, Good grief. You know, here we are having a good day, looking forward to a good day, and the devil's throwing monkey wrenches and everything. And you know what it makes you want to do? You try to do your calling and you experience conflict. It makes you want to take that path of least resistance, that path of convenience. Now, notice what he's threatening to do to them. He said, if you be ready, verse 15, at what time you hear the sound of all these instruments, he says, fall down and worship the image which I've set up. Now, this is important today. I want you to see this. As Christians, too often when we experience conflict in the midst of our calling or character or commitment, I didn't mean for all these to be seized, but it just worked out that way, okay? So maybe you can remember it that way. As we seek to live out those things in our life and we experience conflict, the path of least resistance starts looking inviting. Someone said this one time the path of least resistance makes all rivers and some men crooked. You ever seen the western border of the, uh, of the state of Mississippi? <laughs> It even flows north in a couple of places. What happened? The river took the path of least resistance. The river's flowing down through here. and hit some of that old hard gumbo clay that we have here that's really worth nothing. And it ran into it and decided to go around it. Why? Because it couldn't plow through it, so it just goes around it. That's what we do spiritually. We're seeking to live the will of God. We're flowing downstream with the will of God. All of a sudden, we encounter conflict, and the first reflex, natural reflex... Is to choose the path of least resistance and that's why when you look at the course of our Christian lives they look like the western border of the state of Mississippi they're crooked why we took the path path of least resistance throughout the week I was studying up on the subject of convenience I read a really neat story I'll share with you this morning in 1927 a man by the name of Joe Thompson worked for Southland Ice Company in Dallas Texas uh, ice back then obviously refrigeration was not a uh, was not a common commodity And so they had these big old blocks of ice that they would sell and people would keep things cool in the ice box of your home Way before my time some of you folks might be able to tell me about it, but it wasn't in my lifetime and uh, So here's what this guy did Joe Thompson Decided he had all the access to this ice that he would start selling some groceries on the side so he had milk Eggs, meat, and he would stuff it over in those cases of ice, and when people would get off work, they would come by, and they would buy some of those foods from him. You see, most stores closed at 5 o'clock, and you couldn't get these kind of commodities after 5 o'clock because most storekeepers closed and went home. Well, he started selling it at 6 o'clock and at 7 o'clock and at 8 o'clock after hours because he had access to the ice. People started coming in coming in coming in to get the products that he had because he could offer them after hours. He decided, you know what, I'm going to start selling gas. He started selling food. He started selling hamburgers. He started selling all of these things that were there between the hours of 7 and 11. And there, hence, was born the first convenience store, the 7 and 11. You've learned something today. That's where they were born at. I think there's over, I think 40,000 of them have been open or closed at one time since 1927. That's a lot of gas stations. But it was the first convenience store. Do you know why it was called the convenience store? Because you gave people what they wanted when they wanted it. That's why it's called a convenience store. And the devil, watch this. The devil specializes in convenience. As you seek to live a life and live out your calling and your character and your commitment, as you seek to live out those things, you run into just a little bit of difficulty, a little bit of persecution or conflict, and here comes the devil and says, Look, I'm going to offer you a way out. I'm going to give you a little bit of what you want, the way you want it, and you're not going to have to go through this difficult time. And how many of us this morning, don't raise your hand, but how many of us would be honest enough to admit, oftentimes in our life when we go through conflict, we choose convenience rather than choosing our calling. I want to tell you this. Listen, when you want to stand before God and lay something at his feet, lay something at the feet of Christ for what he did for you and I The only way you're going to have that and hear well done is to fulfill your calling, to be who you're called to be and to do what you're called to do. But you're not going to do what he's called you to do or be who he's called you to be if you give up every time you hit a little bit of conflict. Do not bail out on God through the avenue of convenience. And yet this is what we do oftentimes. NASDAQ magazine said in 2020, a survey found that over 9 in 10 shoppers are likely to choose a retailer based on convenience. 9 and 10. You know, Dollar General is not my favorite store to go to because it's hard to fit down the aisles with all those things that are in the aisles that they have there at Dollar General. I'd rather go down to a store, you know, where I have a little more room to walk, but Dollar General is the closest one to my house. Every once in a while, you just get an Oreo craving. You got to have some Oreos or you got to have some milk. Or Mine is Rotel and nachos. That's my thing. I'll go down there and I'll brave it. You know why? Because it's convenient. Really neat story. I was reading about Amazon throughout this week, about how Amazon has replaced so many little mom-and-pop stores all over America. And I researched how many products Amazon carries. You have a guess? 350 million products. 44 million of those are books. As I read about what Amazon offered, uh, do we have those pictures, guys? Did I get you all those pictures? I want to show you some pictures of some things you can get on Amazon. Pop up the first one. I don't know which one I gave you. You can get a potato with your face printed on it. Isn't that neat? You never knew you needed one until today. And now some of you, guess what you're getting for your birthday? I just can't wait to send one. You can even put a stamp on it and mail it through the mail. I mean, you're getting a potato with my picture on it this year. You can get that on Amazon. Something else you can get. You can get bacon soap. Bacon soap. I mean, look, some of you have trouble bathing regularly. Here's your answer. Bacon soap. Bacon soap. Look, for you teenage guys, this is the answer. Mom and dad, stocking stuffer right here. That teenage boy don't like to take showers, there's the answer. Bacon soap. What else do we have, guys? I sent you some more pictures. What else do we have? Oh, this is my favorite. This is a French fry holder that hooks to the vent in your car air conditioning. So now you don't have to hold the, you know, it's safer driving that way. You hook it on the air conditioner and you just get your fries out of it. But do you know what Amazon's number one, number one product is? Do you know what the number one thing Amazon sells is? Convenience. That's what they sell. Yes, you can get bacon soap, a potato with your picture on it, or even a fry holder that hooks to the knobs on your radio in your car. Yes, you can get all of those things, but what they're selling is convenience. They're the second trillion-dollar company in the history of the world. Why? Because they sell bacon soap? No, it's because they sell convenience. Convenience. You can sit on your couch and order anything you want and somebody will deliver it to your door and the only effort you have to spend is moving your thumb a few times and walking to the door to get it. It's convenience. I mean, Christmas shopping has been so easy the last couple of years. Click, 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 done. UPS man delivers it. UPS man ought to have a white beard because he's like Santa Claus now. He just brings it to your house and piles it all up there. I love it. Why? It's convenient. And I love convenience. But be careful. Don't allow that culture of convenience to enter into your life and your walk with God. Well, the first time you have a little bit of resistance where someone doesn't like what you have to say and the culture pulls this way and the king says do this and the culture says do that, you'll give up your calling, your character, and your commitment. Why? Because it was just convenient. I watched a lady at a restaurant. I took my wife out for coffee. She's learning to drink it. Amen. I'm so proud of her. She's learning to like it. You gotta add a lot of cream, a lot of ice, and caramel, and all this stuff. But there's coffee in there. So I'm proud I call it coffee. Went out the other day to have a coffee, and we're sitting next to this lady, a nice young lady over there to the left, and um, had a baby in one of her little uh, I forget what those things are called. The little thing you carry the baby in. It was just there. It's been a while. It's been 13 years since I had one. I can't remember what that thing's called. Car seat, yes. And so it's sitting there, and the baby starts crying. The lady's so frustrated. She's digging through her bag, and all of a sudden, she pulls out the largest iPad I've ever seen. Bam! Puts it in front of the kid and goes back to playing with her phone. She didn't like the conflict that her baby was giving her. You know, the baby probably wanted a diaper change or maybe wanted something to eat because mom was having something to eat. But she didn't like the conflict, so you know what she did? She just plopped an iPad in front of her to quieten the baby down. It was all about convenience. I see a lot of parents today, by the way, that we're neglecting our children, the calling that we have to our children. Why? Because of convenience. Let's just give them a phone and tell them to get on their way. And yet we wonder where we're learning the stuff that they're learning. This is a window to the world. They're looking at the world through this, and it's corrupting them through that. And yet, you know why we would rather do that? It's more convenient to give them that and say, shoo, get out of my life. I need some me time right now than to answer our calling as a parent. And we wonder why our young people are turning out the way that they're turning out. I see our homes today. I watch our dads and our husbands, who the Bible says you're supposed to lead your home. And yet dads choose convenience over conflict. I don't like it when she's mad at me. I do not. You know, sometimes as a leader of my home, I have to lead in a direction that maybe she may not personally care for. You know what we do as dads so often? Rather than go through the conflict of leading our home of what God's called us to do, we take the path of convenience and we leave our homes to their own desires and their own direction, and we wonder what happened. What happened was we chose convenience over our calling. Why? Because we just simply did not like conflict. I see a sad trend in our churches today, and I want you to hear me out. I see a sad trend in our churches today. I'm talking about Bible believing churches. And the trend basically boils down, for the sake of illustration, what we're going to call convenient convictions. Churches still have convictions, but they're convictions that are based on convenience rather than what we're called to do and who we're called to be. So, what do you mean? Here's an example Fashion Magazine interviewed 2,500 people and asked them about the influence of religion in their life. 87% says their religion influences them to pray. of them says that their religion influenced the direction of their life, but those same 2,500 people, 42% of them said abortion should be a personal decision. Did you hear what just happened? They picked out the convictions that were convenient. You hear it? You know, it's convenient to pray. I mean, look, nobody's really going to get on you praying. I mean, every religion under the sun prays, so the world doesn't have a problem with praying. And so I don't mind allowing this book and what I believe in my calling to influence me to pray because evidently 87% of people approve. I don't mind my religion influencing me to allow it to direct my life. 78% of people allow that. But wait a minute now. This is my body, My choice. Religion has no place in the convictions about what I do with my body. You know what that is? That's not a conviction. That's a convenience. You can't pick what you're convicted about based on what's convenient with the world. Either it's right and it's right or it's wrong and it's wrong, one or the other. And let me tell you, the way that you know that is by what God says is right and what God says is wrong. It's not by what's convenient to the world. And we as the people of God have a serious problem, and we will not admit it this morning, that most of our convictions or what we say our convictions are are based on convenience, not calling. Hear me out, folks. I understand this morning that it's not easy to live the Christian life in the world that we're living in. When it comes down to it, God's called our character, and God's called us to be committed. And no matter what the world desires us to do, that calling doesn't change. Just because it's inconvenient. Think about, I told my wife the other day, just heartbroken about a few things in, in some friends of mine's life, even pastors of mine my, my, uh, in my life, and sadly, their convictions seem to be following a strong undercurrent of what's convenient. As their convictions evolve, it has an uncanny parallel line that what the world accepts. It's amazing that our convictions never get more conservative. Have you noticed that? They never get more conservative. They always fall in more in line with the world. And as our convictions evolve and as we become more woke, it seems to be slowly and surely becoming more like the world again. Now, that's a fact. That's a fact. Whether we want to agree with it or not, that's a fact. I told my wife, she gets to hear these messages oftentimes before you do. So bless her heart, she has to hear it twice. The more woke we become, the more worldly we become. We become so enlightened. That we don't have to have convictions about our calling, our character, and our commitment because we are enlightened and yet uncannily we resemble the world the more enlightened we become. It almost sounds like Romans chapter 1. We're slowly adopting the culture that we live in out of simple convenience. I assure you, if your calling doesn't inconvenience your lifestyle, it's never going to impact the world. Right. If what we're called to do and who we're called to be, if that doesn't inconvenience your life, you know, sooner or later, who you're called to be should separate company with you and other people. Sooner or later, who you're called to be and what God's called us to do ought to make you turn the channel. I just get so discouraged seeing what Christians post on Facebook about what shows they're watching. Why? Because their convictions are out of convenience. Why? Because that's what the world accepts, so that's what they accept. Folks, we got to be careful this morning because the devil uses conflict to try to encourage us to go with what's convenient. And in the end, the Christian life is just not convenient. Read Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says they wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins. They were despised by the world. The Bible says the world was not worthy of them. The Bible says that they were tortured. They were sawn asunder. The Christian life was inconvenient. When can we get that through our mind? The Christian life's not going to be easy. And they're not going to agree with us. But we can't change our convictions to be what's convenient or else we're not going to fulfill our calling. And yet we won't admit that this morning. Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus called the disciples, what did they do? Straightway they left their nets. Why do we think that our calling is not going to require us to leave something every once in a while? I remember as a kid, man, folks were down here at the altar. I remember I was probably 11 years old. My pastor came up, put his arm around me. He says, would you go down there, and there's something down there at the altar, and would you get it and go throw it away for me? I'm like, sure, what is it? He said, just go get it and throw it away. Went down there. It's a pack of Marlboro cigarettes. That's why I left down there. I've seen CDs, music, all kind of stuff left down here on the altar. Folks giving it up to God, getting right with God. And yet now, we have incorporated so many things that we used to stand against into our daily life. We call it conviction, but I believe God calls it convenience. We're morphing to be more like the world because we want to be accepted of the world. So number two, that did not go over very well, so let's move on to number three. Conflict will encourage convenience. I want to show you the end result of all of this. The end result of all of this. Verse 15, he says, I want you to fall down and worship the image. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer him in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their calling and their character was non-negotiable. They knew who God had called them to be. They knew what God had called them to do, and they were going to be committed to it until the very end. The king says, okay, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace if you don't bow down. Now, I want you to focus in on those words, fall down and worship the image. So what happens here is simply this. As soon as you give way to convenience, you've now given way to control. And that's the third thing. Our convenience yields control. As soon as you yield to convenience, you're yielding control. I look at America today, and I've, I marvel, I really do, at the elaborate plan that's been unfolding the last 30 or 40 years in our country. America and the character, watch this, the character of who we were. The country that we were called to be, it's almost been fundamentally transformed in just a few short decades, even in my short lifetime. And you're thinking, how did it happen? Was it an invading army? No. Was it a violent revolution? No. Can I tell you what happened? We lost control of our country by way of convenience. One convenience at a time, we lost control. So how do you know that? I want you to think about this. Politicians used to run on the principles of their character. You vote for me because of the principles of my character, this is what I stand for. And now yet, instead of principles of character, what do they run on? Promises of convenience. I'll give you this. Hey, you vote for me, I'll give you this. Look, sometimes you have to hold your nose to vote for them, but hey, they're going to give me this. They're going to make my life more convenient. And so slowly, we have lost our country by way of convenience. Benjamin Franklin says, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. He says, you're giving up momentary, momentary things for something that's going to cost you long term. And yet, that's what's happening in the church For momentary convenience that the world would like us and embrace us and not pick on us, we give up our calling, our character, and our commitment. And as soon as we give in to what is convenient, we have now yielded control. Watch this. Romans 6.16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey? What does it say? As soon as you yield, as soon as we give in because of convenience, they now have control. And now guess what? We wonder why the powers of darkness have control of this world, because we yield it to them through convenience. Thought about something funny? My dad told me about. I didn't know this personally, but my dad told me that years ago, when TVs first came out, there were people that were paranoid that the government was watching you through your television. Some of you, yeah, I can see some of you're smiling. You are those people. He said people would take a t- a, a towel and cover up their television. To keep from people watching them through their home, you know. They didn't want the government watching and listening through the television. So they would unplug them before they went to bed or put towels over them so they couldn't be spied on. As far as I know, they're not not spying on us, right? As far as I know. Some of you conspiracy folks, you feel me in after the church. But uh, as far as I know, they can't do that. And yet now we have these neat little things. And and look, look, I, I have one on my phone. We have these neat little boxes in our house. And you talk to them and they talk to you. You tell them to turn the air conditioner on. You tell them to turn the music on, unlock the door, turn the lights down, whatever you want to. Hey, order some more Fruit Loops. And man, that little box, yes, I'll order some more Fruit Loops. It's amazing. And watch this. What could not be accomplished where we had this, you know, we were paranoid. You're not going to watch me through my house. And now we have something that listens to us in our house. How did it get in there? Convenience. Convenience. People made a big uproar years ago about, you know, government tracking our cars and cameras and all of this. And, man, you're not going to track my car and rip the VIN number off and all of this stuff. And now in my car, I have this pretty little blue light that says OnStar. It's really cool because if I break down, I push that button, and Cheryl on the other end sends me a tow truck. It's awesome. You know, run out of gas, boop, OnStar, can we help you? And now watch, They're tracking my car, and I know that. Why? Because I got a GPS on my car. You can track if the you They can turn my car off. They asked me one day, Mr. Andrews, would you like to pay $5 extra for this uh, anti-theft system? I said, what does it do? If somebody ever steals your car, she says, we can locate it and shut it off remotely. I'm thinking, wow. You know, my wife goes shopping too much? Hey, they're gone, man. She got a car. She's heading to the mall. hurry, hurry. Shut it down. And I said, yeah, add that to that. That's pretty cool. What they couldn't accomplish through conflict, what they couldn't force on you, you'll buy from them out of convenience. Brilliant. Brilliant. You see, if you're not careful, the devil's going to try first conflict. He's gonna to try to pressure you and berate you and beat you down to quit trying to live up to your calling, character, or commitment. If that doesn't work, he's gonna go through the back door. What's the back door? Convenience. Hey, we'll accept you. Hey, we're not gonna pick on you anymore. We'll embrace you. We'll love you. You'll be the church that everybody likes. Just give up your calling, your character, and your commitment. You see, he's coming back door through the convenience, but what happens? Through convenience, we yield control. There's a man by the name of Samson. God had called him to do some wonderful things, and God had empowered him to do some wonderful things. Man, we read about the victories of Samson. Those are ones I want to watch on the jumbotron in heaven. Catching all those foxes and putting the firebrands and letting them go and burning down the field. I want to see that when we get to heaven. And what they could not do in overcoming him through conflict, they overwhelmed him through convenience Sitting in a little girl who embraced him and loved him and before long. He cut those locks of hair and his power was gone. And we see Samson dying under a pile of rubble, no longer in control. When did he lose control? Through convenience. Through convenience. Folks, I believe with all of my heart this morning that God desires to renew us this year. And God wants to renew us this year. He wants us to renew our calling, our character, our commitment. I want to tell you something. It's not going to come easy. He's going to come at us with conflict, and he's going to threaten us, and he's going to try to divide us and sow division in our church. He's going to make it difficult for you to come to church on Sunday morning. Oh, he's going to hit us with conflict. What's he trying to do through the conflict? He's trying to get you to take that convenient way out and just quit and take that path of least resistance. But understand this. As soon as you yield to spiritual convenience, you've now yielded control. And we'll never fulfill what God has called us here to do. I wonder this morning, are you willing to pay the price of what it's going to take to be renewed? We've got to be willing to pay whatever's going to be required of us to fulfill our calling to reach this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to have to work hard and keep pushing through those tough times. If our character is going to be the one that resembles Christ, it's not going to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would have it. If it was easy, we wouldn't need to be renewed. The devil's going to offer you conflict and convenience all because he wants control. And I pray this morning we'll choose. We're going to choose our calling over that convenience. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed today. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet. Can I ask you something simple? Is your calling worth more than your convenience? Is your calling worth more than your convenience? Are you willing to endure some conflict in order to fulfill your calling? Are you willing to endure some conflict in order to retain that character? Are you willing to endure some conflict in order to fulfill your commitment to God in this new year? I assure you, He's going to come at you with the conflict. He's going to come at you with the convenience, and you're going to have to choose that over your calling. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to learn from these three young men. And, Father, for how they showed us that, yes, conflict will come, convenience will be offered, but, Lord, they they did not yield control. They allowed you to remain in control, and you used their life to fulfill what you called them to do and be an example to an entire nation. Help us, Father, keep our eyes on the prize of what you're calling us to do in this new year. And I pray that, Father, we would allow you to work in our lives in the midst of our conflict to make us more like you. We might be the example we need to be, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning.